Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Oh, good morning. Got a happy Friday. And no, this is not the voice of Dan Bickley. Wishing you Valley sports fans a good Friday morning. Bick's got the day off. We'll get through this without him because we got the one, the only, the ringer. Tim Ring is here. In for Bick. What's up, Tim? Hey, what's up, man? You know, Vic, uh, uh, Bick probably is like, if my kids don't have to school, go to school today for Veterans Day, I'm not going to work either. Yeah. Vic got himself Veterans Day off. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. Yes, happy way. Veterans Day to everybody. <laughs> I, if I had a dollar for every time I was asked, hey, you guys are off on Friday, right? No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> not during football season, we're not. Not during football The season. wheels of sports journalism never stop churning for holidays. <laughs> we, we must be here to talk about the Cardinals. The that people, is, the people need us. Need us. That's one thing that I never realized before I got into the business. It's like, wow, sports never stops. It's awesome. And then you work at it. You're like, wow, sports never stops. Yeah. It's kind of daunting. <laughs> kind of a lot. Yeah, we except for that one year where it did uh, stop for five months. Never. Well, I mean, it, we that was a pretty unique them. circumstance. <laughs> we were still here. That's true. We never, we never stopped. No, and somehow, two and a half years later, mustache, not a mustache, lives on. Yes! <laughs> Some things are just inexplicable, Tim. That's a staple. <laughs> I think it's the only, the only part of the show I actually listen to when I'm Whoa. on. Uh, yeah, the mustache, not sakes. a mustache. Yeah, I fire that up. Very popular. Dang. Can we play today? Special you, edition? No. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever had a mustache, Tim? Uh, I well, I had a goatee, and then when I eventually shaved the goatee. I stopped halfway just to give the mustache a, a run yeah. for a, a couple of days. And I looked like a Chicago cop. It was not a good, it was not a good look. Was that goatee? Was that like 2001 or something? Yeah, what, what era because are we talking about here? It was very big in the late 90s or yes, early 2000s. As a matter of fact, it was 1998. Yeah. yeah. I was really... waiting for you to be like, no, it was 2014. <laughs> it was when... Okay. Limp Biscuit and Stone Cold Steve Austin ruled the world and goatees were everywhere. Can we... I mean, we talk about mustaches every week on this show. We haven't had the real, like, topical discussion. The mustache is back in full oh, force. For sure. I ran into a guy recently that I haven't seen in a while, and he's got this glorious, like, Burt Reynolds 70s mustache going on now. And it's... it's is it not, done ironically, it's not, No, it's not oh. ironic. Well, I know. I mean, beards came back... Big, like what, 10 years ago? More more like yeah. your guys' generation, yeah. like yes. the big beard and kind oh, of the, the slick, hipster. Look. Yeah, the, the, hip, the hipster beard and the slick back hair look. Yep. But Vinny, you're telling me the stash is back? Oh, it's back. 
Should be it's a, back, baby. Should be a T-shirt. I think Jarrett might be responsible for it, as it turns out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. You know, so these guys getting ready in the morning. They look in the mirror. And they're like mustache, not a mustache. I'm going mustache. Oh my gosh! We could be six months away from the return of the Raleigh fingers look, like the handlebar, the we, wax. We the could. Whole, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a hard look to pull off. <laughs> <I know. laughs> This is just a sampling of the brilliance you'll get for the rest of this morning on this Friday with Tim Ring sitting in for Big Jared. Start the show. The Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Animal. Animal coming. The Splash, brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, final day of uh, practice for Sunday's Week 10 game in L.A. Uh, against the Rams for the Cardinals. The big news for Arizona yesterday, that was Kyler Murray was back on the field, albeit limited, but he was practicing after missing Wednesday with a hamstring injury, so some positive news there. Elsewhere on the injury report, if you have the wor- uh, letters O-L next to your name, you didn't participate pretty much for the Cardinals. Uh, Only Kelvin Beecham practiced at all, and he was limited on Thursday. Cody Ford, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, DJ Humphreys, all sideline. Cornerback Byron Murphy also did not practice with a back injury. And on the Rams side, still no participation from quarterback Matthew Stafford as he's still on the concussion protocol. Boy, it seems like that Cardinal injury list, I've almost become numb to it. I I mean, it's a a laundry list, a shopping list of guys every week. Byron Murphy seems to be on it every week, but yet somehow manages to play, so you almost yeah. don't actually worry about him, but Vinny, man, we'll get into it later today, but that offensive line, now the Rams have their own problems up front, but it, this Cardinal deal is is scary, especially going against you-know-who on Sunday, and then if Colt McCoy has to play, and you lose that lack of mobility out of your quarterback, it's something to... Are you going to have much mobility from Kyler Murray with a hamstring well, anyway? That's, that's the other problem. Yeah. We'll get into all of that today. And somewhat of a surprising move, at least to me, the Cardinals also released defensive lineman Michael Dogby, who had played in nine games this year, starting two. He was in his fourth year as a Cardinal, 13 tackles on the season. at a career-high 27 last year. Um... Maybe it's not that much of a surprise. I know Michael Dogby is a guy, a depth guy, rotation guy. You didn't really notice him much in recent weeks, but not the defensive line exactly hasn't been a strength this year. No, especially with Lawrence being out. Yeah, and that's and maybe that's why the move is surprising because you are shorthanded there, mm-hmm. and you had a guy that was in your system and you know could play a few snaps for you. Mm-hmm. But, and, and it was by the way, the real quick that when the Cardinals released him, it was a very short release. Usually the release it was, it was very one line. One liner. Yeah. It was a one liner. In other words, like we're we're not happy with him. People who work in offices can relate when uh, you know the long email goes out about so and so is no longer with yeah. us. We wish them the best of luck. Michael Dogby is pursuing and pursuing other opportunities. <laughs> yeah. like, he's no longer here. Yeah. Don't let him in the building. We've cut yeah. Michael Dogby. Period. <laughs> For as uh, good as the first meeting between Carolina and Atlanta was three weeks ago, last night's rematch was a dud. Panthers won twenty five fifteen on their home turf. Lavisca Chenault. I just wanted to say that word, and Deontay Foreman. Uh, each had touchdown runs for the Panthers. Maybe more interestingly, the result of that game means the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 4-5 and five are back in sole possession of the NFC South. They're, they're going to win the division. <laughs> I know. They, they may win it at 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, but they are go- Tom Brady will be in yes. the playoffs. Mark my words, Veterans Day 2022. Although they get a tough one on Sunday. 
in uh, in Deutschland. Oh, I'm not saying they're, yeah, I'm not saying they're going to win a lot, but they're going to win more than those guys. They're going to win more than the other guys. Yeah. By the way, how, how much does Al Michaels hate life? And I know I know we're just blowing through the stories of the day here, but he went from the king of the best game of the week. I just love that he doesn't hide his contempt for what he's watching. Oh, the dregs of Thursday night football. I guess he can always check his bank account. That's to true. Feel better, yeah. Suns continue their road trip in Orlando tonight against the young upstart Magic at Amway Center. Suns one and one on their four game journey so far. Lost to Philadelphia and then an impressive win over the Timberwolves on Wednesday. They're eight and three. Chris Paul is questionable with that heel soreness. Uh, Orlando star rookie Paolo Banquero uh, questionable for tonight's contest with an ankle injury. That game gets underway at five. Orlando's one of those teams, Tim, that uh, so much talent and you look ahead to the future. If three or four of those guys really start to develop three or four years down the road, they could be good. I put Houston in that mix, Oklahoma City in that mix, Orlando in that mix, but right now it's just a bunch of individuals. And we went through this with the Suns for a short period of time yes. here or there. Vinny, as you know, you can have a host of great players, but if you're ever going to make any noise in this league, boy, you better have at least one great one. Yep. I'm talking about a, a top 10, 12 alpha dog player. That is true. To make any kind of noise deep in the postseason. I mean, that's, you look back at history. I mean, how many, how many NBA teams really, you know, were, were title contenders without that kind of guy? I mean, maybe the Pistons. That was about the last one. That was about it, right? Yeah. And, 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 and even the first indoctrination of the Pistons championship teams, they had Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he was a top, he was uh, a top 15 guy. Yeah, I but mean, they just beat the hell out of everybody. And they also just beat the hell out of everybody. <laughs> but uh, the point, the point remains like unless you get that dude, yeah, it's going to be tough to make waves in this league when it really matters. Very true. Uh, question: Has there ever been a team to sweep a fourteen-game road trip in any sport? I'm asking for the Coyotes, who won their third straight on their record-tying fourteen-game trip by beating the Islanders two nothing. Travis Boyd and Jack McBain each had third-period goals. Uh, Karel Vamelka twenty-four stops for his first shutout of the season. Yotes are back to five hundred six six and one. They're right in the middle of the Central Division. What's going on with this team? Well, let me ask you this. Has anybody not swept a 14-game road trip in the history of pro sports? There's only, uh-huh. been, a, only been a couple of them. <laughs> oh, has there, has there been another one? There was well, In hockey, there's yeah. been one other 14-game road trip. Oh, there has been. Well, I thought this was a first. I got to check to see how the Canucks did. I don't think yeah, they swept it. Let's check that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Yotes have the Devils on Saturday and then the Rangers on Sunday. Bigger potential future news for the Coyotes. Tempe City Council voted 7-0 yesterday to send the matter of the proposed Coyotes Arena and Entertainment District to a vote of Tempe residents. That special vote will occur in uh, May of next year. Yeah, Javier Gutierrez was on with the guys mm-hmm. yesterday and he did make it kind of clear that yesterday was, while, while a quote-unquote victory was almost a formality, I don't mm-hmm. think there was any question that that was going And obviously by a 7 nothing blowout, yeah, uh, it, it moved to, to next May. So that's good. Uh, college Hoops, ASU got its second win in a row. They beat NAU in 84-68 in Tempe. DJ Horn had 25. The uh, Wildcats of Arizona, they are in action tonight as the... Uh, SWAC Pac-12 matchups continue. Uh, the Jaguars from Southern University taking on Arizona. And by the way, uh, the Sun Devils on the road to take on Texas Southern from the SWAC on uh, Sunday. And college football battle of Pac-12 teams that are 2-4 and four in conference play Saturday afternoon in Pullman. Sun Devils against the Washington State Cougars. Devils still clinging to the idea of bowl eligibility, but they need to win out to achieve it. Cougs are 5-4. and four. Kickoff 130. You can hear all the action on Arizona Sports app. 
app and 98.7. Starting at uh, 11, we'll have Sean Aguano, the head coach of the Sun Devils, on at 8.30 today. Wildcats, uh, they are on the road in Pasadena to take on UCLA. I'll refrain from making a joke uh, about them visiting the Rose Bowl because I've done that so many times. That game kicks off at 8.30. It's still good, though. Yeah, NAU uh, is on the road at Northern Colorado tomorrow. There you go. There's your jam-packed splash for Friday, November 11th. Coming up next, we kind of touched on it. Uh, Cardinals and Rams. Wow, you want to talk about teams in eerily similar situations right now? It's these two teams. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I mean, they, you know, Super Bowl champs, I'm sure they got a lot of, you know, probably the same feelings that we got, you know, and they just won Super Bowl. You know, we didn't, we didn't win the Super Bowl, so... Um, I know their standard. You know, I know how they, you know, expect to play. Um, what are they three and they're three and five? So, um, no, I don't. I don't think it changes anything. I just think you know we focus on ourselves and let the chips fall where they may. You know, all the uptightness or whatever people are feeling, the pressure and all that stuff. You gotta throw that out the window because there really is no pressure. You know, we're, we're haven't played the way we want to play. Um, we're three and six. You know, they're, they're, I don't see the pressure and. and so that, that's 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 kind of how I feel about it. Skyler Murray with some interesting thoughts going into this week's uh, game against the Los Angeles Rams. Talking about the Rams struggle, you can just flip it, you know, flip the mirror, and it's, it's the Cardinals' struggles. I mean, the, the records are different: three and five for the Rams, three and six for the Cardinals. Neither one of them really, Tim and Tim Ring in for Bick today. Yeah. Neither one of these teams has a, a win against a good team this year. You can say that. Neither team can really run the football right now and at the heart of these struggles is you want to talk about two offensive lines that are just beat to tatters right now the Rams have been dealing with it all season long this has been a recent wave with the Cardinals but when you have three starters out uh, at your guard positions and at center it's really affected how this offense operates, which wasn't great in the first place. Yeah, you know, the old adage in football, right? It starts up front. Yes. You know, people have always said that, but I think everybody tends to focus on quarterback play and, and wide receiver play and mm-hmm. your offensive production from your skill guys. But boy, have you ever needed proof, living proof, that an offensive line has to be healthy and moderately successful to to very, very good. Look no further than the Los Angeles Rams. Now, we can talk about the Cardinals issues, which extend back to last year, Mm -hmm. and they've had Rodney Hudson issues late last year as well. But you're talking about a Rams team that still has Sean McVay, still has Matthew Stafford, still has Cooper Cup, still has Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. But the team that won the Super Bowl last year, Vinny, they can't not only can they not score, they they can't get a first down. No. They they lead the NFL in three and outs. I think Jordan Rodriguez was on this. She was on our show yesterday, yeah. Did she say that for like 40? 40% clip. 40% clip. That was your show yesterday. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Now, the Rams have used an NFL high 11 offensive linemen this year alone. Mm-hmm. So Andrew Whitworth retires. Okay, that happens. I mean, guys are going to turn 40 and retire. But then they've had a rash of injuries. I mean, they're down to third and fourth string guys. The Cardinals, assuming that maybe a new starter plays this week, if a new starter does, they will match the Rams' number yes. of an NFL high 11 different offensive linemen. And it's tough to get anything done. 
And I don't want to excuse Cliff Kingsbury because obviously he has to be better and the team makes so many mental mistakes and pre-snap penalties and that shouldn't matter even if you have backups out there. You should still play. Billy Price should know the count. You're a National Football League player. Hike the ball when you're supposed to hike it. I think they had four different offensive linemen with pre-snap penalties last week. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse for that. That stuff's not contagious. But the Cardinals can't run the football and they can't protect Kyler Murray. And I was thinking about this the other day. Maybe one of the reasons why Cliff is throwing short passes is simply to get Kyler Murray to get the ball out of there because he knows if he has to hang in the pocket, that pocket's going to break down. And what Kyler when he swarmed in, Kyler just goes down I, to avoid injury. And I don't candidly, I don't blame him. No, he, he can wiggle out of there once in a while, but there's a lot of times where everything closes down on him, and he just gets down. And I, you know, I, I just I, I look at the inordinate amount of screen passes, and what looks so ridiculous to all of us. I, I'm wondering if Cliff is saying to himself. That's the only way we got a chance to move the football because we can't protect this kid right now. We can't protect this kid with Price and with who's ever playing right guard and you know Cody Ford now backing up Justin Pugh and you got backups and three fifths of your offensive yeah. line and DJ Humphreys has been banged up. Beecham has been the only rock in terms of health and production. It's just something to think about that yeah. they just can't do anything right now. I think it's a fascinating thought. Um, and something to consider. I don't know if I totally buy into that because when this offensive line was whole, when it was together for that brief couple of couple still, games, he was the, still throwing screen passes. There was still yeah. a lot of screen passes, and I, I, I mean, I, I think this is the question of the year for the Cardinals: is why is what we're seeing happen happening? Uh, is is this a Cliff Kingsbury production? Is this a Kyler Murray production? It just makes uh, no sense. Yeah, go ahead. And I think yeah. what you hit on, I don't think it necessarily is, all right, Cliff, Cliff saying we can't protect Kyler Murray. we we got to call these these screen passes and hope for some, some missed tackles out on the edge. Yes. I think it might be more of a Kyler Murray thing. Because screen passes and these, and these short dump-offs and the underneath stuff, it's part of every offense. But ultimately, it's the quarterback that's delivering the football. And to me, with uh, considering all things, and now you throw in a, a hamstring injury or a hamstring that's less than 100% going into this game for Kyler Murray, in his fourth year, he looks about as uncomfortable playing quarterback as we've seen him on a consistent basis. Now, if you want to go back to the playoff game last year, that might be the, the shining example of discomfort uh, uh, for a quarterback playing an NFL game. I've never seen anything like that, but that was an extreme example. I'm just talking generally, down to down, week to week, regardless of the opponent. Kyler Murray does not look as comfortable as he did in year two or in the f- first half of year three. And no. that's, that's the thing that we don't necessarily know is how much of this are, are called plays, how much of this is check downs. Yes. Well, I. True. We're not in film session, but I, I, I'm pretty much, I, I'm sure I can, so can you guys. You can diagnose a play where he's looking downfield and there's nobody there and he throws a check down. Yeah. It's far different than get the shotgun snap and immediately hit a primary receiver. Within two seconds, Rondell Moore usually. That's that's absolutely a designed oh, at, screen that, where, they, where he's going to his yes. primary. Yes. Like, that's the call. Yes. Like, checkdowns. Tom Brady's made a living on checkdowns his entire mm-hmm. career. You know, when, when, it's, when it's not there, Brady gets six yards. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, it goes back to the Kevin Falk days in New England, <laughs> right? It would drive you nuts when you wanted the Patriots to lose. Yeah. Like, even when you diagnose the play, Brady still gets six yards. So that there's a difference there. And I, I, I totally get that. And, and I just, what's, what's, what's frightening, I think, if you're a Cardinal fan, is that since Kyler came back last year, Vinny, it just, it hasn't been the same. And I don't know... I don't know if it's his reluctance to run. I don't know if defensive coordinators are catching up to him. He can't throw the football down the field. I mean, when he was when he was the, the bona fide MVP candidate through those seven games, which he was, mm-hmm. I mean, he looked like a combination of Pat Mahomes and vintage Brett Favre out there. Totally whipping agree. The, running around, throwing 40-yard dimes but, uh, down on the sidelines and over the middle. But not, they don't have a pass over 40 yards this year. I mean, so he's not throwing the ball downfield. And I know we'll get into hard knocks at some point again today. But that was the most telling thing yeah. coming from Hopkins when he's like, what are you seeing? Because a lot of Cardinal fans are wondering the same thing. Like, is Kyler seeing the middle of the field? And there's DeAndre Hopkins basically asking the same question. Yes, uh, in, in a very, very public way. Yeah, uh, You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, the last offering we saw from the Phoenix Suns was pretty promising and really entertaining. Will that continue tonight in Orlando? We'll get into some Suns talk today or next uh, with Tim Ring in for Bick on Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. No, I mean, I'm, I'm always monitoring that, but I mean, I can't, you know, like knee-jerk reaction to just go and try to short-term just throw someone in the mix. It doesn't make sense for us. Uh, we have guys that have been a part of this and guys that are, are playing. You know, it's a tough spot for us, but we go as, as Chris, Devin, Mikhail, and DeAndre go. Um, you know, the rest of our guys have been been great. You know, I, I understand the Jay Crowder situation and, and being light with the forwards with Cam. Uh, we will address that at some point, um, but in the short term, we're just going to make sure when we address it, we address it with an eye towards the long term. James Jones, general manager of the Phoenix Suns, on with Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports. That was from Wednesday, talking about the situation that's the reality for the Suns right now. There's still no resolution, Tim, and uh, the Tim Ring in for Bick today. Uh, still no resolution on the Jay Crowder front. We know James Jones' propensity as a general manager is to be very thorough, to be very deliberate, um, and I think it, that strategy, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's divisive among the Suns fan base. I think some, half of the Suns fan base is like, you know, make the move already. Get somebody in here that can help uh, long term. The other half is probably just sitting back going, wow, James Jones is one calculated dude. I'm kind of in the middle. Uh, I want the Suns to get the best player that they can get, the best package that they can get for Jay Crowder, whatever that looks like. But... James Jones does not operate on anybody else's timeline. We know that. No, he does not. And I will say this, as long as you're winning games, yes. you, you can afford to be patient. Yes. That's why it was just one win. But boy, that T-Wolves win really showed me something. Because I was a I little... Agree. I got to be honest, Vinny. When I watched them play against the Sixers and you score only 88 points, and suddenly your bench, which is already deprived of a score because Cam Johnson was in the starting lineup and mm-hmm. Jay Crowder is off pouting... And then all of a sudden you lose Cam. And Chris Paul, not hurt, but let's be honest, Chris Paul has kind of relinquished that role as the secondary scorer to Booker this year. He's had some moments, Mm -hmm. but Chris Paul ain't shooting the ball this year. So you watch that Sixer game and you're like, okay, Cam Johnson's gone. Jay Crowder's gone. 
Chris Paul's not shooting, and then he was gone. And Devin Booker's like a one-man gang out there. And the Sixers with Joel Embiid clogged up that middle. There was nobody to space the floor. Torrey Craig does some nice things. But when it comes to shooting the basketball, not exactly his strength. And he certainly isn't Cam Johnson. No, but right now they're still riding that wave of good Torrey Craig shooting from like 40% from three-point range. It's not going to last. It's it's not going to last. But I also don't think teams have to worry about him like they do Cam, and that can clog up the paint. If you notice in that Sixer game, a lot of times Booker and Bridges and Chris Paul, when he was in there, they drove to the paint. Now, some of this is because Embiid's such a monster, Mm -hmm. but then there was a lot of traffic in there. A lot of balls getting knocked away, slapped Mm -hmm. away, shots blocked, etc. And then watching them struggle to score. And I said to myself, okay, this is going to be, this might be a little difficult. And they're on the road right now. They're, they're kind of out east. Like, what's going to happen here? The Timberwolves have some pieces. So for them to go in and not only win that game, but win it handily. And for Mikel Bridges to do what he did, the aggressive, like not just a guy who can score, but a scorer's mentality. And a lot of times that's different. And for him to come up with 31 points in that game, we don't expect that every night out of Mikel, no. but I thought I thought it spoke to the mentality uh, in, in an area of need for his team. Bridges recognized that and went out there and delivered a game like that on the road. And then I, when you can get twenty three out of Cam Payne, yeah, filling in for Chris Paul, that goes a long way too. You don't Bridges, expect it every month, every game from Mikel Bridges, but you now that you see that it's there. Don't you want it a little more frequently? Oh, I think of course not thirty-one, but you know, I was listening. But to not Benzinger twelve. Yesterday. Yeah, could it give you not, twenty, twenty-two, not six, or not those halves where he's just not involved, which which happened too often. No, Kellen Olsen was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and, and he was raving about Mikel Bridges, and we all rave about Mikel Bridges. But, yeah, the the capability of him being a consistent 18- to 20-point scorer is there. Going back to that Minnesota game, you hit on some things, and I think it was interesting to see, especially right after that Philly game where everything was such a slog offensively. Uh, the pace was slow. The production was down. I mean, 88 points um, in, in today's NBA is, is nothing. Uh, so I think it was recognition by Mikel. I think it was recognition by Monty yep. Williams and the coaching staff. It's like, ah, we, we need more. And I also think, just on a one-game basis, I'm real curious to see what tonight looks like, um, if Chris Paul is on the floor or not on the floor, either way, because the difference in pace and urgency offensively was palpable from from the Philly game to the Minnesota game. And, and look, Cameron Payne... And Chris Paul are entirely different point guards. We get that. Chris Paul is kind of like, we just talked about James Jones, deliberate, methodical. That's Chris Paul. Campaign plays point guard with his hair on fire. A lot of times it, it's a lot of fun like it was against Minnesota. A lot of times it's a disaster. That uh, I, I'm wondering it, when Chris Paul comes back, will we see you know, a, a concerted effort by him to ratchet up the pace a little bit? Because the Suns looked almost unbeatable the other night. I think Chris Paul's pacing himself, even, well, even when he gets healthy. That's I, the other I, thing, is, is, yeah. is, is there's this debate. You're right, he's not shooting. His shooting numbers are way down in terms of attempts. The percentage is down, too. And, again, there's this inner debate going on. Is this by design because of the reliance the Suns have had on Chris Paul and how each of the last two seasons have ended for him? Or 
is there some, oh, he can't do it like he used to mixed in. I, I, I think that's a fascinating co- topic. I also think, and, and Bick and I talked about this the other day, and just to kind of reiterate that point, I also think a certain aspect here that many are overlooking is I, I, I don't think Chris Paul is in peak physical NBA condition yet. Okay. I, think, I think a lot of guys come in to the season ready to roll. I think Chris Paul, to a certain extent, is using the season to get into top physical shape. I'm not saying he's out of shape. I want to be very clear on that. But he's not in the top physical shape that he ultimately will be in and needs to be in. And I think that manifests itself, Vinny. For those who have played basketball, and anybody in their car right now can attest to this, it's 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 weird. You would think that when you when your physical condition is is, is not as great as it could be, it would be easier just to stand outside and shoot. As opposed to driving to the hole, it's actually the opposite. Yeah. When you don't, when you don't have your wind or your legs, and that ball swings to you, like and you're open from 25 to to, to 20 feet. Mm-hmm. It's tough to like ratchet up and pull the trigger on that jumper when you're not in top physical condition. It's true, and you're a little bit tired. It's actually easier to put the ball on the deck and go to the hole, and then maybe kick it out to somebody else. And I think I and I hope anyway that Chris Paul is going to be in that shape that he needs to be in by the end of January, beginning of February. And I think hey, listen, some of this might just be his age. Like listen, he's got kids, he's older. You know, he's going to spend his off season with his family uh, as opposed to a younger guy who might just go work out for five hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I think Chris Paul is going to get himself back into shape. And I think the, the the better shape he gets into, the better shooter and more frequent shooter uh, he will be. He even looked a little heavy to me in preseason. I, you know, I just, you know, not, not a lot, but I just, I thought, you know, from what we normally see out of him, I, I think he's, he's, he's getting himself to where he needs to be as the season progresses, as opposed to coming in 100% top physical which, shape. Which is what, you know, after the last, especially last year, seeing the way the Suns fizzled out, the way Chris Paul fizzled out after turning 37, I think that's what everybody that you know has a vested interest in the Suns wanted. Uh, this gradual buildup, yeah. handle it differently. It can't be an 82-game grind for this team anymore. But then that's held up against, oh, no, they're losing regular season games. What do I do? How do I react to this? It's been so infrequent for the last two years. We can't have it both well, ways. I mean, there is also these, the thing about you'd like to see Chris Paul play consistently well since he turned 37, which he still hasn't done. That is true. And I know it's a different year and it's the beginning of the season, but it's still part of the same stretch now. I'll only worry about Chris Paul if there's another injury. Which there will be. That That's to me. I, I don't think... He's old, currently injured. Uh, yeah, I know. But I'm talking about, like, let's say let's say April and May. So I, an injury that does not involve the word soreness. That. Those types <laughs> right. of injuries. Remember the days, Tim, when soreness was just a thing that played through? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Boy, let me tell you something. And and Jarrett and Sarah can attest to this. We had we had Al McCoy on, and boy, there was oh, some. No, old, I heard Al was on fire. There was some old school grumpiness from Al yeah. about guys taking games off because they have a hangnail oh. and not playing through it. And he was listen in Al's own way. He kind of questioned Chris Paul not playing against the Sixers because Al heard. I beat Monty say after the game, or maybe Chris say after the game, I could have played mm-hmm. if I needed to. And Al was just, you know, up and if you could play, then you play, as Al would say. That's not, that's not the world we live in anymore. <laughs> what was Al's quote? Getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> that is an old school. Uh, join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road Rally as the Cardinals take on the Los Angeles Rams. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game 
Long this Sunday. That's at Phillies on Scottsdale Road. Coming up next, back to the Cardinals, but through the lens of hard knocks, we'll get Tim Ring's thoughts on Episode 1 and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings with Tim Ring sitting in for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday with Bickley and Murata. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I know this. Playing hard, right? The complimentary football just isn't there. All three phases together just hasn't been there all season. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's been one group goes up, one goes down. One goes up, special teams goes up, defense goes down. We got to stick together, though. I know that. All right, that's one thing standing here right now. I know we got to stick together. Three and six, got eight guaranteed opportunities. All right, it's up to us what we do. But we got to stick the f- together, coaches, players, everybody, and learn to play better together. All right, the f- still wide open. You look at the NFC, it is what it is. But we got to come together and find a way. That's it. All right, y'all get a break. Bickley and Murata mornings on this Football Friday. Tim Ring in for Bick, who's got the day off today. That was uh, toward the end of Episode 1 of Hard Knocks, which premiered on Wednesday on HBO. And as you might expect, Tim... Episode one kind of started with a speech from Cliff Kingsbury, Mm -hmm. uh, illustrating to his team before the Seattle game, look, this is the stretch that's in front of us. We win these first two. We will be playing for first place in Mexico City against the San Francisco 49ers in three weeks. Um, It didn't cover the contingency plan. What happens when we don't win those first two, which the Cardinals did not. They lost to the Seahawks. That really makes me, just going into this from a hard knocks standpoint, makes me wonder what the what the mindset of this team is. Now, they put their eggs in that basket, which I think Cliff and the coaching staff was wise to do because that was the reality in front of them. But now that that goal is not attainable, that was laid out, what does that do to the psyche of this team? Remember, how, pre- how prepared are they to compete? And remember, on top of that, you know, Josh Weinfuss, who writes for ESPN.com, covers the Cardinals. He had at least one player tell him uh, anonymously that this is one time where the locker room mindset matches the mindset of the fans and talkers like us. We're considering this a must win. Mm-hmm. This is a must win game. Can't 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 go to three and six. Can't go to zero and three in the division. Yes. So you you push your chips in the middle of the table there. Now where do you go? And I think that's why Cliff was saying there at the end, like, look, okay, we still have eight more opportunities here. We've got to stay together. We just blew the must win. So now we have to stay together. Anything can this still happen. a double must win. <laughs> All right, starting now. <laughs> Which is kind of the mentality. You have to, I, I was I was poking fun at that a little bit this week. Like, you can't keep delaying which is the most important must win. A must win is a must win, but they're in that scenario now. No, it was a must win, and that's why I think nobody really has expectations that this Cardinal team is going to rally and make the playoffs. But at the same time, they do still have eight more opportunities. And when you have opportunities, but you, 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 can, you can still make a move. But there's been no indication that this team is capable of doing that. So now, you know, Cliff, I, by the way, you, you brought up the uh, the three game scenario that Cliff brought up. What did you think about that? I, I, it didn't bother me. So I want to be very clear about that. I'm certainly in no position to question what a coach does in that scenario. But I did find it interesting that most coaches are very singular in their focus uh-huh. we, 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 are, we are not talking about two weeks from now three weeks from now all that matters is that we beat the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday in Glendale that is your sole focus 
We'll worry about everything else later. But yeah, but yeah, Cl- Cliff chose to present. And I think some of this was like, hey, we're playing terrible. And he said it. We were playing like blank, but we still got an opportunity. I think he was trying to present that to the guys. But I found it. I did find it almost uh, uh, antithenum to what coaches normally do that, you know, Cliff's talking about playing for the division lead on a Monday night game three weeks from now. He's got I mean, that, that's what we, that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and you're, he, you're right. Yeah. I, I still, I liked it because it was like you said, Hey, this is the bandaid in front of us. This, this team yeah. has not played well, but for as bad as this has been, this could be your reality in three weeks. You're right. Most coaches won't hang that three-week-down-the-road carrot to teams. It's always about one day at a time, one game at a time. We're only concerned about what happens on Sunday. That becomes cliche. So I, mean, I guess maybe the lack of cliche there made it refreshing for me. I'm not sure. And again, we're also we're not getting everything that was said no, no. during the week. But we're also, doing, I think he was presenting snippets. it. He was presenting it in, yes, we just lost. But this is what we have in front of us. Yes. We still have this much season in front of us. So even though we were, you know, we lost, we're three and five. The season's not over because we have this stretch coming up. But remember how he that that speech that started the episode of Hard Knocks right before the music kicked in and the big open to, to welcome <laughs> to welcome viewers to another season of Hard Knocks. The last thing he said was, "We have no more time to blank around." Well, now what? Now what? You, do you, you blanked around. Where do you know? Well, now, now, now you find out. Now, now, you, now you say to your guys, we got to stay together. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot have a fractured locker room. Um, overall, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Hard Knocks fan, whether it's the Cardinals or anybody else. Uh, I think they do a fantastic job. What were your impressions outside of that from from, from well, episode one? From a television production standpoint, I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, they, they they do a fantastic job with their editing and their storytelling and the way they put that production together. I thought the episode was good. Uh, I didn't think it was off the charts amazing where you came away saying, oh my gosh, yeah. can you believe that was said? Yeah. Or that happened? Or can you believe you know Cliff and Mike were saying this and Steve and Mike and, and like none of that. There, were, there weren't any earth-shattering moments. But having said that, there were moments. Uh, one of the moments I thought was kind of underrated was a very real conversation between DeAndre Hopkins and Sean Jefferson mm-hmm. early in the episode, where Jefferson was trying to pump up Hop, and you know Hop, I think, was genuinely concerned about his Hall of Fame chances, and, and I found that to be a, a very warm, poignant moment in the show, where here's DeAndre Hopkins, who's got Hall of Fame ability. And if he keeps on this trajectory, he will probably be a candidate for the Hall of Fame at some point. But obviously, DeAndre Hopkins knows what's happened in the sport of baseball yes. uh, with, with Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa and, and really wondered to his position coach, like, do you think I can still make the Hall of Fame? And I think the fact that he was suspended for six games for PEDs actually has him concerned, which... I thought was interesting, and also I don't think anybody's ever been unofficially banned from Canton because they tested positive for yeah. PEDs. Has, has that come up? No, I don't think so. Which is why, which is why I brought up the baseball deal because I wonder if Hopkins is kind of equating what's happened in baseball to potentially something like that happening to him. And I really, I, th- I, th- I thought that moment was kind of, was kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, you could ask the question: Why is DeAndre Hopkins worrying about the Hall of Fame going into a? I don't I don't know, but he was. 
<laughs> well, no, Sean Jefferson would. brought it up. <laughs> yeah. Because um, they were saying, like, everyone's going to remember you in 10 years, yeah. in 20 years. And he's like, no, well, in 20 years, you'll be getting inducted to the Hall of Fame. That's right. You're right, Jared. Yep, good call. Um, but other other moments, I thought, there were there were other moments. I thought the, 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 the we talked about it, DeAndre and Kyler on the sidelines, I thought was... Was uh, at least we know what was said. We knew we knew what was going on. Oh, we're going to get into that. Next. Even, even, <laughs> even during the game, we had a pretty good idea <laughs> what the issue was. Yeah, but that post game speech that we just played from from Cliff Kingsbury, the stress on now we got to stay together. Is that like last chance cafe grasping at straws, hanging on for dear life? Is that the last? Well, that's where we are. Yeah, that's where we are. I. At this point now, Vinny, I mean, it's kind of like preparing for the worst, hoping for the best. Like, they, they, this, this is this is suddenly a winnable game if John Wolford's quarterbacking and the Cardinals, if they could ever just play a clean football game and not have 12 penalties and uh-huh. eight pre-snap penalties and they don't fumble the ball driving in for points, I, they, they, could, they could beat that team. That's what's fascinating about this. There's, these are two... Very beat up, very flawed football teams. That one of them is going to walk away from Sunday thinking we're we're still in this. The other team is going to be done. I think it's like the the analogy would be both teams are laying in a coffin right now. Mm-hmm. The winner of this game can at least lift open the coffin and poke his head out. Like, <laughs> hey, what's going on out here? Uh, but the loser, like the nail, boom! Like it's just like the sledgehammer to the nail. Do people lay in coffins before they have to. I guess some people do. Yeah, I don't know if I want to hang out with those people. Uh, coming up next, yeah, that moment hey, it was just an analogy. Give me a break. I'm making stuff up on the fly here. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, I'm a little weirded out because I've been watching the, the Dahmer series on Netflix. Oh God, that kind of yeah. you're a brave man. I lived. I lived through that. I don't want to watch that. Whoa! I got through. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, I was working in news in Chicago when that thing went down, and that was uh, obviously a major, oh. major story. Yeah, it was nutty quite, story. It was, it was, I mean, it was bone chilling. I mean, it was, ugh. I tried to watch, I know we're hitting a break, but I tried to watch, I got through seven minutes. Seven minutes? As soon as, as soon as he brought the first guy back to the apartment, I'm like, I can't do it. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Let me and watch for last. That reason, let me I'm watch. Out. Let me watch last week's Notre Dame game on YouTube. <laughs> How many minutes wow. did you get through that? You're braver than, than most. And that was even no, worse. <laughs> Coming up, that moment uh, between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline has uh, raised some questions about what's going on with this Cardinals offense. We'll get into those questions straight ahead. Tim, ring in for Bick today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.